You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Give a hand to everybody who served, everybody who was up here. Not only, not only for manifesting God's power, but also for manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. Um, you know, I'm, my, gr my grandmother was born in Ukraine. <laughs> and, uh, and my grandfather was born in Poland. And every, every summer, I spent three months with them. And uh, whenever they didn't want me to know something, they spoke in Ukrainian, you know. <laughs> and they also lived in a community in Argentina that was all Slavics, you know. And one of the things that I remember is that their church services went on forever. <laughs> you know, my mom told me, you have no idea. When we were little, we had three preachers. <laughs> we have won three preachers, and they went on for a long time. And, uh, and I think that's one of the, I, I don't know, but sometimes I feel that we want microwave church, you know, like go for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and leave. But the Holy Spirit, you have to learn how to host His presence. You have to learn how to give Him time to work in your life, to work in our services. And I think one of the keys to revival is for giving the Holy Spirit time. Saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. And we're, we're willing to wait for you. You know, Jesus told His disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit. And that's why I see that generation experience so much of God. Because they were willing to wait in the presence of God. They were willing to give God time, the time of their lives. And I think many of you came from far away. How many came from out of this city, out from different places? Many of you uh, invested in coming, spend your time here. And I think God's going to reward you with His presence. You will live different. You will live filled with His Spirit. You will live you will leave filled with his power because you decided to give time to the Holy Spirit. So to me, when I met Vlad and when I met Andre from Kingdom Domain, it was so special to me because he was like connecting to my roots, you know, connecting to, to my people, <laughs> the Slavic people. And um, now that I was in Israel, I was just thinking, I was at a Slavic Jewish conference. And in that conference, the Lord touched my son, you know, in Israel with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't want to get emotional. But, you know, the gospel came through to my family, through my grandfather. He emigrated from Poland. He went to Argentina after World War I. They, came to, they went to Argentina with nothing. They had to start from zero. They went through a lot of difficult times. But uh, they heard the gospel for the first time in Argentina. And he gave his life to Jesus. And all, he had six children. All his six children served Jesus. And he's got, I don't know how many grandchildren. But every one of his grandchildren also served Jesus. And loved Jesus. So that shows you how when the gospel touches one person, it touches the generations. And uh, now his great-grandson is getting uh, ministered and touched and he received the Holy Spirit at a Slavic conference in Israel, you know. So to me, I'm sure he's rejoicing in heaven uh, also. But, um, uh, you know, when I was there, the Lord is opening the door for us to go to Russia maybe next year. A pastor came to meet me in Israel, so we may be going to Russia for the first time. So I'm excited about going there. I'm talking to Andre, maybe going into Ukraine. So I'm I don't know, the Lord is doing something special in my heart in connecting us with the Slavic people. You know, when the Lord called me into the ministry, he pretty much 
placed two things in my life. He said, one thing, I want, your ministry is not going to be of words, but of signs, wonders, and miracles. Um, so our sermons, if you heard them, they're not very elaborate. We preach a simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's our desire for the miracles to preach the gospel. People need to see signs to believe. And many times we go to places where they don't believe in the Bible. Like we're in Pakistan and they don't believe in the Bible. Uh, so the gospel is preached through miracle signs and wonders and they can see a living God who loves them through the miracles and then since I was going to be a medical doctor I was that was something that really was in my heart to see people healed to see to have compassion for the hurting but then the Holy Spirit spoke to me to take the fire of the Holy Spirit to the young people and that's when I said, Lord, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I don't, I don't have a charismatic personality to speak to the young people. You know, I'm not, I, I don't know if I'm able to connect with the next generation. And I was a little skeptical about it. But out of obedience, we began to do youth events. And they have been my favorite events. It has been amazing. What God is doing with young people all over the world is just tremendous. The hunger, the passion that you see in this generation for Jesus, for his presence, to fulfill God's plans for their lives. And many times we just hear about what the enemy is doing with the young people. But about what God is doing with the youth is so much greater. It's just amazing. Amazing. The generation that God is raising, endued with God's power, full of his love, full of his glory. He's placing dreams and visions in their hearts. And God's going to use this generation to cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory. It's truly amazing. So I want to show you a short video clip on one youth conference that we had in Brazil. Um, so if we have it already, this is in Marília, Brazil. And this video has really touched a lot of people around the world. Like over 4 million people have seen it. So it's just amazing what God can do also through social media. So we're going to take a quick trip to South America, to Marília, Brazil, if we can play the video. Glória de Deus. 
The Bible speaks about a whole generation. Mas a Bíblia fala sobre uma geração inteira. That's gonna ascend the hill of the Lord. Que vai subir a monte. And he's gonna behold his glory. Que vai contemplar a sua glória. And I believe this is our generation. Eu creio que essa é a nossa geração. It's not gonna be only one. Não vai ser simplesmente um. It's gonna be an entire generation. Vai ser uma geração inteira. Who's not gonna be afraid of the fire? Que não vai ter medo do fogo. Who's gonna ascend the hill of the Lord? Que vai subir a monte do Senhor. Who's gonna seek his face? Que vai buscar a sua face. To bring fire upon the earth. De trazer fogo sobre a terra. He knew that the Holy Spirit would purify our hearts. Ele sabia que o Espírito Santo ia purificar os nossos corações. He knew that the Holy Spirit will sanctify our hearts. Ele sabia que o Espírito Santo ia santificar os nossos corações. He knew that the Holy Spirit would pour the love of the Father upon our hearts. Ele sabia que o Espírito Santo ia derramar o amor do Pai sobre nossos corações. Ascend the hill of the Lord. Por isso as escrituras dizem quem vai subir a monte do Senhor. Who will stand in His holy place? Quem vai permanecer no lugar santo? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Aquele que tem mãos limpas e coração puro. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. Que não levantou sua alma diante de um ídolo. This is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek Your face. I want to ask you to keep us in our prayers because we have several youth events coming up this year too. We're going to do one next week in Panama. Uh, we're going to do a crusade in a stadium, but we're also going to do a youth event. And we're believing for God to pour out his spirit and his power and his love upon this generation. So I believe that the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals Jesus to our hearts. Um, this conference has been special uh, because the theme, the central theme of the conference has been the Holy Spirit. Um, getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit, experiencing his presence and encountering his glory. And I know that the message for the world is the gospel. The message for the world is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he was raised from the dead. But I believe that the message for the church is the Holy Spirit. We as the church, we need to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And this uh, afternoon, I want us to go a little bit deeper. I want to not so much preach, but teach about the Holy Spirit. Because I desire for you to go a little bit deeper in your relationship with the Holy Spirit and through the Bible I want to speak to you about seven different dimensions of the of their relationship with the Holy Spirit you know um, when Jesus was on earth multitudes followed Jesus and he loved the multitudes he healed the sick he delivered the oppressed he fed them he blessed them but then he had a smaller circle of uh, friendship or relationship with him we were like 70 evangelists 
And the Bible says that he used them with great power. He sent them out two by two to heal the sick, to deliver the oppressed, to cast out demons. But then he had a closer circle of friends who were these 12 disciples who were the apostles whom he taught things and mysteries and secrets that he did not teach to the multitudes many times to the multitudes he spoke in parables but when he was with his disciples he revealed to them the meaning of those parables because they were closer to him then there was a group of three Peter, James and John who were even closer to Jesus when he went up to the Mount of Transfiguration he only took three Peter, James and John and only to those three he revealed his glory to them I don't know about you but I want to be a part of those three you know I don't want to be just in the multitudes uh, receiving his bless me Lord bless me Lord heal me give me a job bless my economy heal my body you know save me those are all awesome things and I received that from the Lord but I want to get closer to him I don't want to be just a part of the 70 who God used to cast out demons and heal the sick and see miracles I don't want to just see miracles and be used by God I don't want to be just a part of the 12, a disciple of Jesus who him reveals his mysteries to. I want to be one of those three who are close to his heart, who he reveals his glory to. In the same way, there are different dimensions of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person and he's God. But there's different dimensions that you can have with Him, in your relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit is one Spirit. There are not many spirits. There's not more or less of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. The same Holy Spirit that was upon King David in the Bible. The same Holy Spirit that was upon Joshua, upon Moses, upon Elijah, upon Elisha. The same Holy Spirit that was upon the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter. The same Holy Spirit that was in Christ, in Jesus, is the same Spirit that wants to have a relationship with you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's one Spirit and one Lord. Now, if you have your Bible, let us go to the book of John, chapter 16, verse 7. John, chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, this is Jesus speaking. And if Jesus was here to, this afternoon, this is what he would say to you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I depart I will send him to you and when he has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment in John 14 16 it says and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you I will not leave you orphans I will come to you so Jesus says 
It is to your advantage. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because when I depart, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. He will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He will show you things to come. He will lead you into all the truth. He will reveal Christ to your heart. He will empower you. It is to your advantage that I will go away. And then he tells his disciples, and you know the Holy Spirit because he is first with you. The first level of relationship with the Holy Spirit is when he comes to be with you. There comes a time in your life when you draw near to God, you come to this conference, you come to church, somebody shares the gospel in the streets or you read a book and something happens. The Holy Spirit draws near to you. You draw near to God, the Bible says God draws near to you. And the Holy Spirit comes with you for a reason, for a purpose. He comes to convict you of sin. He comes to bring not condemnation, he comes to bring conviction, which is very different. Condemnation is what the enemy brings. Condemnation tells you you're a sinner, you're worthless, there's no way out for you. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to bring conviction, which is, tells you you're a sinner, you have sinned, but there's a way out. There is a way out. That's why he comes also to testify of Jesus. He comes to reveal to you the only way out of sin is through faith in Christ. It's through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The Holy Spirit is the one, if you're here this, this afternoon and you have Jesus in your heart and you believe in him and you're saved, it was because the Holy Spirit at one point in your life, he convicted you of sin. And it was because the Holy Spirit reveal Jesus to your heart no man no flesh can reveal to you that Jesus is the Christ it is a revelation that is given to you by the Holy Spirit how are you not gonna love the Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit for convicting me of sin for revealing Jesus to my heart I owe my eternity to you for revealing Christ to me the Holy Spirit is the one who uses your life also to testify of Jesus to others. That's why Jesus said, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. We need the Holy Spirit because when we share the gospel, we cannot convert people. We cannot convict people of sin. You cannot convict people that they're sinners. They're go, they will argue with you all day long. But when the Holy Spirit convicts, it's totally different. And it's totally different when the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to people's hearts. I remember I was at a, I was at a service, I don't remember where, somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> and uh, I was at the altar praying for people. And suddenly this, this woman comes bringing, dragging by the hand, kind of pulling to the altar, her teenage son. <laughs> you know, like pulling him and he's like, like, you know coming to the front and he's like he, he he he's far away from God he's not serving God he's living in sin talk to him you know like save his soul you know and I'm like oh no you know so I stand in front of him and he's not even looking looking at me and my 
not even looking at me at the eyes. You know, you could tell he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to listen to me. You could tell he was forced to come to the service. And now he's forced to be at the altar. So I'm talking to him for like, I don't know, five minutes, sharing the gospel with him. He's not listening to me, uh, not paying attention to me. And I'm like, I'm at the moment, I'm about to say, okay, God bless you and leave. You know, I'm about to, I mean, you cannot force people to receive Jesus. You cannot convince people about Christ. So at the moment, I'm about to give up. This is a true story. I'm about to turn around and suddenly I feel the Holy Spirit go like this. And he was literally like somebody took a, a sword and went through his heart. The moment that happened, he screamed and he fell forward screaming, forgive me, please forgive me God, please for it was like somebody had pierced his heart with conviction and he rolled on the floor and he began to weep and rolling on the floor weeping, crying out to God to forgive him of his sin. I was watching this and I was like, that's supernatural. There's no way human words can do something like that. There's no way human knowledge can do something like that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit when he pierces your heart. Now, the moment you repent of your sins and you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is no longer just with you, but the next dimension is that He comes to dwell inside of you. This is truly amazing. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit seals your spirit. He said, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.22. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, or, you, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God and you're not your own? The Bible says that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 16. So every Christian who's repented of their sins and who's believed in Christ Jesus as the Lord and Savior has the Holy Spirit inside of them. You cannot be you cannot confess Jesus as your Lord if it's not by the Spirit, the Bible says. So the Spirit of God comes in you and you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The problem is that most Christians, that's as far as they go in their relationship with the Holy Spirit. They're saved. They're going to heaven. They're sealed. They know they've been forgiven. And they don't even, sometimes they don't even know that the Holy Spirit is inside of them. But the Bible speaks about a different dimension, which is being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. There's a different experience with God. That is not just one experience, but it should be a continual experience in our walk with Him. And that is to be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is inside of you, but He wants to saturate your soul with His presence. Jesus, the Bible says, on the last and great day of the feast, He stood and He cried out saying, If any one of you thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And he spoke this concerning the Holy Spirit that those who be would believe in him would receive. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, if you drink of that water, you will thirst. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. There's a well inside of you and it's the well of the Holy Spirit and when you thirst Jesus said there's 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 conditions to being filled with the Holy Spirit you're saved through faith you receive the Holy Spirit through faith but you're filled through thirst that's why I love the name of this uh, ministry hungry generation because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they will be filled if you don't hunger and you don't thirst you will not be filled you must thirst you must desire it you must hunger for it and this sadly is one of the things that materialism takes away from people and you know i have the privilege to travel to many different nations and I love to go to third world countries because they're so hungry. They're so thirsty for the presence of God because they have nothing else. Here sometimes we have so many things offered to us, restaurants and cars and houses and business opportunities and open doors that we think come from God. And we get so busy with so many things that we forget that the most important thing is the presence of God in our lives. And we must thirst for his presence. We must be desperate, hungry for His presence if you want Him to fill you. If you want rivers of living water to flow from your innermost being, to saturate, to flood your soul. The Bible then speaks about a fourth dimension. is to be in the Spirit. To abide in the Spirit. Revelations 1.10, the Apostle John said, I was in the spirit revelation 4 2 it says immediately i was in the spirit there's one thing to have the spirit in you and it's a total different relationship when you are in the spirit there's a difference between drinking a cup of water and jumping in a swimming pool all christians have drank that cup of water the holy spirit lives in them but if you want to develop that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you must abide in Him. If you don't abide in Him, you will not bear much fruit. But if you abide in Christ, you abide in His presence, you will bear much fruit, the Bible says. It is in that place of abiding. It is in that place under in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, where Jesus reveals His heart to you. It's in that place where He reveals His plans for your life.
It's in that place where he shows you visions. It's in that place where he gives you direction. It's in that place where he reveals his nature and his heart to you. When you are hidden in Christ, you must take time to abide in the Spirit. Then the fifth dimension the Bible says is walking in the Spirit or being led by the Holy Spirit. There's a very difference of having the Spirit in you than you following the Holy Spirit. In this conference, you will have experiences with the Holy Spirit. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit because you came hungry, you came thirsty. If you came all the way over here, it's because you're thirsty. It's because you're hungry. If you're here at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday afternoon instead of watching the NFL football or basketball or whatever, it's because you're hungry and you're thirsty for His presence. That's why you came. And God's going to fill you. That's His promise. He's going to fill you. The Holy Spirit's going to fill your soul. But when you leave through those doors and you go back to your daily life, there's a decision that must be made. Are you going to follow the Holy Spirit? Are you going to be led by the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit going to direct your steps? The Bible says that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures also says that my sheep, Jesus said, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. John 10, 27. Isaiah 30, 30, 21 says, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, you will hear his voice directing your steps. It's very similar to a GPS. You know, in the phone you put an address. And you've never been there before in your life. You don't know where it is. You press go and the phone will begin to talk to you and telling you where to go. And you blindly believe the phone. And you follow the phone. You submit your life to a phone. He said, drive 10 miles. You drive 10 miles. He says, take a right. You take a right. He says, take a left. And you take a left. And before you know it, he says, you have arrived to your destination. And you've never been there and you probably don't know how to get there or, or, but the phone directed your life. The same way is with the Holy Spirit. He has plans and purposes and dreams and visions that he wants to fulfill through your life. He has promises that he wants to give you. He wants to give you victory. He wants to... Oh, he has so many things in store for you. But it all depends if you're willing to submit your will to his will. If you're willing to hear his voice. And even though you don't know what he's telling you to do, but you submit and you obey. Blindly, the same way you obey the phone, you obey the Holy Spirit. Before you know it, you have arrived to your destination. You know, people are going to ask you, how did you get there? I don't know. I just follow the Holy Spirit. Follow Him. Follow Him. That, give the Lord a hand. Yes. Now you know sometimes you're following the phone and you're like, oh, I know a shortcut. I know a better way. And you take your own way. And then you get lost. 
and you spend 30 minutes going around in circles, driving in streets and this and that. You know what the phone continues to do? It says recalculating route. It keeps finding you a new route. It's finding you a new way. And you keep disobeying. It can't be and start, but the phone will always take you to the same place. The same thing happens when you disobey God. When you disobey his voice. You continue to rebel against his voice. You continue to go in circles, in circles, in circles in your life. And you never, ever accomplish anything for his kingdom. You never, ever fulfill his dream, his purpose upon your life. But the Holy Spirit does not give up on you. He continues to pull on you. He continues to speak to you. Take a right. Take a left. Go this way. Don't do that. He continues to pull on your heart because he wants for his purpose to be fulfilled through your life. And that will only happen as you are led by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus trusted the Holy Spirit, how much more should we trust the Holy Spirit with our lives? If you follow the Holy Spirit, he will bless your marriage. He will bless your children. He will bless your finances. He would use you to bring glory to Jesus. He would use your life to cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory. You would be amazed at what he will do through your life if you simply make a decision to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a different dimension, the sixth dimension, which is the Holy Spirit upon you. There's a difference between having the Spirit in you, you being in the Spirit, you being led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, which is the secret to not satisfying the desires of your flesh, to walking in holiness, is to walk in the Spirit. That's the only way to walk in holiness, is to walk in the Spirit. Only by being led by the Spirit, you will defeat the enemy. Only those who are led by the Spirit are children of God, the Bible says. But there's a whole different dimension just when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's power. You don't receive power when you're saved. You don't receive power when you're filled by the Spirit. You receive power... Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus told his disciples, you wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Speaking about the Holy Spirit. For you will receive power. Real power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the world. You receive power power to cast out demons not only authority in the name of Jesus but power you receive power to heal the sick you receive power to be a witness of Jesus only when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so you can't see the Holy Spirit but he's upon me and he's not upon you all the time he only comes upon you to fulfill God's will on this earth. When you step out to do what God has called you to do, He comes upon you. When you begin to do what you want to do, He's just in you. But suddenly you say, you know, I'm going to share the gospel with this person. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm going to pray for the sick. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. I'm going to take authority over this demonic oppression. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And He comes upon you when you deny yourself, when you choose to die to yourself, 
He comes upon you when you deny yourself daily, pick up your cross, and you follow Jesus. You must die, like the Apostle Paul said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You must die to yourself. Now, we're going deeper now. I don't know if you want to go this deep. <laughs> I don't know if you just... <laughs> Some people are just satisfied with being filled, you know. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Some people are just satisfied with, uh, you know, going to heaven and being saved. And that's awesome. Jesus rejoices. Jesus, Jesus, you know, he gave his life to save you. He sought you. He chose you. He saved you. But now if you want more, you have to seek him. If you want more, you have to follow after him. You have to desire him. You have to thirst for him. You have to follow him. You have to deny yourself. And he comes upon you through brokenness. And this is what people don't want to hear. <laughs> his power is released through brokenness. It's kind of like I would compare it to the atomic bomb. You know, the atomic bomb, I was in Hiroshima. I was preaching in Japan. and Actually, I preached in Hiroshima. And I went to the museum. That they have there and uh, that's probably one of the only times I almost got sick to my stomach being there and they have a replica of the bomb that was dropped in Japan and it's a very little bomb it's not very big you can carry it in one airplane it's very little and one little bomb destroyed a whole city it's actually not even one little bomb is the the fission, the fission or the breaking of an atom you can even see releases so much power and so much energy that a whole city can be destroyed the atomic bomb it says that it's a nuclear weapon fueled by the splitting or fission of the nuclei of a specific isotopes of uranium or platinum in a chain reaction so one of them breaks and then another one breaks another one breaks and there's a chain reaction and destruction takes place the same thing happens when there's brokenness in your heart. And I don't know, this is hard to explain because it's something very spiritual. It's not that God wants to punish you or, no, 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 no. It's, it's kind of like a willingness to die to yourself. It's a willingness to submit to the Holy Spirit. It's a willingness to say, God, break me, mold me, change my will, change my desires, change who I am, break me mold me into your image that is when his spirit comes upon you to fulfill god's will and not your own will on this earth um, when i began in ministry you know it was god was bringing me through this process because there's no shortcuts to serving god people don't like this but there are no shortcuts and i nobody ever told me this nobody ever taught me this but i was going through it and it was very difficult i was about to quit ministry i was like no i'm going back to medical school it's a lot easier to study medicine, believe me, than to be in the ministry. <laughs> when you're studying medicine, the enemy does not come against you. You know, when you're studying medicine, nobody bothers you. You just do your own thing. But when you start serving Jesus, get ready because you enter the real battle. The real battle is when you serve Jesus. And I was there and I was about to, I was on my knees crying one night about to give up. And then the next day, my cousin wrote me a letter from Argentina. I said, last night I had a dream with you and Jesus. And this is what Jesus said to you in the dream. She didn't know what I was going on. I haven't talked to her in years. She didn't. 
and I began to read the letter and she said, Jesus speaking, she said, when I was on earth, a young boy came to me and gave me his bread and his fish. When this young boy gave me his bread and his fish, I believed him. And then he said, when you came to me and you gave me your life, I believed you. And then he said, and I took, in the same way, I took that bread and broke it to bless many. I take your life and I break it to bless many. This happens so that your motivation will be right when you serve Jesus. And so that his power will be used for the right purpose to fulfill his dream and not your dream. To bring glory to his name and not to bring glory to you. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is very sacred and is very holy. And it's for a very specific purpose. It's not to bless you. It's not to make you rich. It's not to make you famous. The power of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, is to preach the gospel. It's not to talk about Moses, Elijah. It's to talk about Jesus Christ. It's to share the good news that on the cross, he died for our sins, that he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. To share the good news that he not only died, but he was raised from the dead. The power of the Holy Spirit is to share the good news that through faith in his sacrifice, you can receive forgiveness of your sins and eternal life. God empowers you to carry this message. If you start preaching something else, that's not what God gave you his power for. He gives you power so that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, may be glorified on this earth. Because the Holy Spirit only glorifies one person and his name is Jesus. He gives you power to bring deliverance to those who are suffering, torment and oppression. Not simply for show or signs, wonders and miracles. There's real people who are suffering. They're under tremendous torment that medicine cannot help them. That psychiatry, psychologists cannot heal them. Because they don't know that it's a spiritual oppression. That it's a demonic oppression. And only the anointing of the Holy Spirit can break the yoke of bondage. No other way to be set free. Only in the name of Jesus you're set free. And only the power of the Holy Spirit breaks those yokes, those bondages, those chains from people's lives. Some people want the power. Oh no, but I don't want to deal with deliverance. There's a purpose for the power. You want his power? He has a purpose. It's very specific. It's found in Luke 4.18. The spirit of the Lord is where? Upon me. Why? Why? Because he has anointed me to do these things. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. His power is to preach, to heal those who are brokenhearted. 
Only the power of the Holy Spirit can heal a broken heart. You know, I was ministering Austin. This is one of the most powerful testimonies. Uh, and I came to this young girl, and she was crying, crying, crying. And I asked her, why are you crying? She said, I don't want to live anymore. I want to commit suicide. And she showed me her, her wrists, and she had cut herself, scars in her wrist, where she had tried several times to commit suicide. And I asked her, who do you need to forgive? And she said, my father, because she was abused. And I said, if you want Jesus to heal your heart, to set you free, you need to forgive your dad. She chose to forgive her dad right there in the altar. And the power of the Holy Spirit came upon her. And she fell to the ground. And she began to weep, weep, weep in the presence of God. A few hours later, the service was over. I was walking out with the pastor. I turned around. And she was still at the altar weeping and crying. I was driving home few, several hours later. And the, the pastor calls me and says, you won't believe what happened. This girl, when she got up off the floor, her face changed. She had a smile on her face. She had peace in her heart. And when she went home and she began to undress, to change, to go to bed, she looked at her wrists and the scars had completely disappeared from her arms. It's amazing that God made scars disappear. But it's even more amazing that he healed her heart. Because scars there or not, it's not a big deal to have a scar. But to have a broken heart, that is a big deal. And many times we give uh, um, attention to the physical miracles, which are amazing. But the emotional miracles, to me, are even greater than the physical miracles. When a person who was brokenhearted, abused, when a person suffers through depression, through rejection, and suddenly Jesus restores their joy, their freedom. We cannot see it, but to that person, that's an amazing miracle. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can bring healing to the brokenhearted, liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, to heal the sick. See, the Bible says, this sign will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But it's not your hand healing the sick. It's the power of the Holy Spirit upon you that will bring healing to the sick. It's not your power that heals the sick. It's not your faith that heals the sick. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When Peter walked and his shadow healed the sick, it wasn't the shadow of Peter. It was the Spirit of Christ that was upon Peter that was healing the sick. In the same way, God wants to use you through his power. But you must submit to the Holy Spirit. You must be say, say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to die to myself so that your will will be done through my life. I'm willing to hear your voice and follow your leading because I want to walk in holiness. I want to abide in you. I don't want to just be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to abide in your presence. I don't want to be just saved like the multitudes. There's multitudes of people who are being saved. I don't want to be just like only the Pentecostals who are just filled with the Holy Spirit and that's it. No, Lord, I want more. I want to go up the mountain. I want to be in your intimate place, just me and you. I want to hear your voice. I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to die to myself because I want your power upon my life because I want to fulfill your heart's desire which is for people to be saved for people to be delivered for people to be healed for people to be set free for people for others to know you 
And I finish, I don't know if I should share the last one, it's too much. <laughs> I'm going to save it for the next conference. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, that's funny. Uh, the, the last one is too precious, it's too holy. It's too holy. We can't talk about it right now. <laughs> the last one, and it should be every one of us greatest desire it's called oneness with the spirit first corinthians 6 17 says but he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him is when you become one with the Holy Spirit you know Jesus said for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so then they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what God has joined together let no man separate when you marry when you marry your wife or you marry your husband you're joined and you become one flesh with that person that's why marriage is so sacred to God. That's why he said, let what God, because that God has joined, let no man separate. You become one with that person. When I married my wife in Colombia, we had this beautiful wedding. And one of the symbols was there was two candles with a flame on each candle. And there was one candle in the middle that had no flame. And I would take one candle and she would take another candle. And we will both walk to the center candle and we will both lit the center candle. And her flame and my flame became one. And then we blew out our flames. And both flames became one flame. That's a picture also what happens when you are joined to the Lord. You become one flame with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit, your flame, and His spirit his flame are joined you die to yourself you turn off your flame to be joined to the lord and you become one with him let's all stand to our feet thanks for listening to this week's message from hungry generation stay connected with us on facebook instagram twitter and snapchat by using at hungry gen stay blessed and we'll see you next week